Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. And welcome to episode 57 of the Creative Writers Toolbelt. Today we are continuing with our review of characters and characterization with a look at your supporting cast. Now these are the people who come in and out of your story, but they're not your principals, they're not your protagonist and your antagonist. And we're going to look at what's important in creating and deploying these characters into your story. Let's start by going back to the critical questions and objectives for characters in your work. If you've listened to recent episodes, you'll know that as far as I'm concerned, the two critical issues with the development and deployment of characters are, first of all, defining the essence of your character so that the reader understands who they are and they appear as an authentic, distinct person in your story. And secondly, defining the goals and motivation and passion for your character. So they're not just sitting there on the couch. They have a purpose and drive and that gets them into the story and involved with the other characters. Now, these are the two critical factors in the development and integration of characters into the story. And that can apply to your principal characters and to your supporting cast. Let's start by looking at defining the essence of the character. In episode 46, I talked about creating the essence of a character. And in that episode, we explored how you can, one, use setting and context to create the character. Two, use character interaction as well to develop the character. Three, give the character voice to help give them that essence that we're talking about here. And four, use complementary characteristics to enrich them. Now, I don't want to replay what I said in episode 46, but suffice it to say that the steps in creating a good principal character apply equally well to creating that supporting character. Let's think about setting and context first of all. Now, great characters have great settings. Fagin in his lair above the streets of London. Sauron lurking in his tower in Mordor. Frodo and Bilbo living at Bag End. Loch Lamora on the streets of Camor. And Katniss Everdeen, the small town girl from District 12. These characters are effective in part because they're placed into a setting that complements them and works with them. If we move on to think about interaction and voice, and I want to treat those two together, effective characters show who they are through interaction with others, and they will do that very often with a distinctive voice. If you think about Luna Lovegood, for example, from the Harry Potter series, what an amazing supporting character she is. We know so much of who she is from her interaction with others. Here, for example, is a little quote where she's talking to Harry about the idea of him becoming an aura. I don't think you should be an aura, Harry, said Luna unexpectedly. Everyone looked at her. The auras are part of the Rotfan conspiracy. I thought everyone knew that. They're working to bring down the Ministry of Magic from within using a combination of dark magic and gum disease. That's just an example of how Luna's voice and her interaction with other characters shows how delightfully bizarre she is. Let me give you another example again from Luna. This is her talking to Harry about the fact that she is able to see Thestrals. Oh yes, said Luna, I've been able to see them ever since my first day here. They've always pulled the carriages. Don't worry, you're just as sane as I am. You can see, I hope, in these quotes, J.K. Rowling's genius for presenting characters through both an interaction with other characters and through giving them a distinctive voice. Now, sometimes an encounter between a principal character and supporting character gives us an insight into both of them. In The Lord of the Rings, it takes Frodo's encounter with Galadriel for him to understand at a deep level the weight and potency of the ring. These are Galadriel's words to him in the book. 
And now at last it comes. You will give me the ring freely. In place of the dark lord, you will set up a queen and I shall not be dark, but beautiful and terrible as the morning and the night, fair as the sea and the sun and the snow upon the mountain, dreadful as the storm and the lightning, stronger than the foundations of the earth. All shall love me and despair. Tolkien is using the voice of Galadriel and the setting in which he's placed her with Frodo to show us something about the ring and the setting and the story, but also the characters involved. Now, introducing a character is a particularly important aspect of their interaction. And in her article at io9, 10 Secrets to Creating Unforgettable on creating supporting characters, supporting characters, Charlie Jane Sanders suggests that we might be able to magnify the impact of introducing a character by effectively doing it twice. Once through reference to that character by other characters who are already on the scene and then by that character actually appearing. And certainly it's true that we can magnify the impression that a character makes on our readers by having others refer to them before they appear. And there are numerous examples of this in literature and film. In The Lord of the Rings, both Gandalf and Saruman hint darkly at the things in the minds of Moria that should not have been disturbed by the dwarves. And that's a great introduction for the Balrog. In the Star Wars franchise, the Emperor is mentioned in the first film, is seen as a hologram image in the second film and at last makes an appearance in the flesh in the third film. And by the time we actually see him, his reputation has been built up considerably. Think about the interaction amongst your supporting cast and also between supporting cast and principal characters. This is really important because it's likely to be a key part of their function in the story. What are your supporting cast there for? How do their goals and ambitions link with the goals and ambitions of your principal characters? Let's think about complementary characteristics for a moment. Again, what's good for principals is also good for supporting cast. Luna Lovegood, for example, wears orange radishes for earrings. How bizarre is that? And then in Oliver Twist, we have Fagin with his handkerchiefs. From Star Wars, we all know Chewbacca's memorable growl. Caesar Flickerman from The Hunger Games has dyed hair and a midnight blue suit. And his trademark bullish interview style, which is reflected in his voice. In her article, Charlie Jane Sanders recommends giving your supporting characters at least one distinctive characteristic and also a strong fashion sense. So that's how you can develop the essence of the character so that you can create somebody who is distinct and authentic and really connects with the readers. But let's think now about goals, motivation and passion for a moment. Earlier we thought about Luna Lovegood, but what are her goals? What are her motivations and passions? Well, we can see that for all her laid back otherworldliness, she is as motivated by loyalty and friendship as the principal characters. And these are the key themes and drivers across all of those books. Earlier also, I mentioned that it's critical to think about the supporting characters' interaction with principal characters, and that also applies to their motivations. If we think about The Lord of the Rings again, Gollum is a character who is driven by one single motivation, to get the ring. And we can see in Gollum an example of a character whose goal and passion energises and informs everything he does. Let's take a rather different example. We love Mrs. Bennett from Pride and Prejudice. She is endearingly crazy, but what really helps her character is the drive that she has to see her daughters properly married off and secure in life. It's a passion and goal that enriches her character and also informs her interaction with the characters around her. This is one of the things that she says. 
if I can but see one of my daughters happily settled at Netherfield and all the others equally well married, I shall have nothing to wish for. Her passion also manifests itself as a desire for her husband, Mr. Bennett, to get with the programme and support her in her cause. When Mr. Bennett questions the value of an eligible gentleman meeting their daughters, her response is this. My dear Mr. Bennett, how can you be so tiresome? You must know that I'm thinking of his marrying one of them. So you can see here how character motivation can spill over and be linked to character interaction. And this is just another example of something that happens again and again across the whole range of creative writing techniques where different elements blend and work together. So how can we create these great characters? Well, here's three little tips for you. First of all, create a comprehensive backstory. Again, if we consider the example of Luna Lovegood and the Harry Potter series more generally, Luna has a backstory including her date of birth, the fate of her mother, the consequences of seeing her mother die, her life with her dad. She also even has a future story. JK Rowling has written a story around what happens to Luna after she's left Hogwarts. And there's nothing unusual about Luna in this. JK Rowling has created a huge amount of backstory in terms of the setting and the context and also the characters that she's working with. And that context can include elements like family, religious, political and social origins, geographical location, culture, habits, fashion, voice, personal characteristics, a whole range of things. Now, it isn't likely that we're going to be able to write hundreds of pages of backstory for our supporting cast, but the fact remains that the effectiveness of a character is linked to how much we've thought through who they are and how much we've created a backstory and a context for them. So even for those characters that make a fleeting appearance, just supporting cast, it's useful to create the backstory for them because that way you'll know them better and as you write them, your readers will know them better. Second tip, and perhaps controversially, I don't think we should be afraid of using caricature as a source for our supporting cast. Now, I want to be careful about what I say here because I know that as writers, we have an almost toxic reaction to caricature. And I can understand why. Caricature on its own is dreadful, a real turnoff. But there's nothing wrong in using caricature as one of a number of sources for your characters. And to give you an example of the kind of thing I'm talking about, what I'm going to describe to you now is just some little caricatures and they're not real characters, they're just outlines. They're just silhouettes, if you like, of, of people. The cynical courtesan who is completely selfish and assumes everyone else is completely selfish as well and is only guided by a kind of dreary Machiavellian worldview. The evil stepmother who, once the father is out of the way, acts to abuse or freeze out the stepchildren. The investment banker, selfish, brash, arrogant, pushing the boundaries of the acceptable trade, glorying in excess, concerned only with amassing wealth for himself. The tired, streetwise prostitute who retains the remnants of a good heart even as her circumstances try to beat any hope out of her. And the kindly wizard with his white hair and long beard, dispensing wisdom and spells to those around him, speaking in impeccable English, of course. And so it goes on. Now, all of these caricatures have appeared in film and TV and literature that you have seen and read and I have seen and read. And if we serve them up just on their own, they're not going to be believable. But as a source, amongst other sources, they can be highly effective. And to give you an example of where a character might have become a caricature, but in fact becomes so much more, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. 
If you've read The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch, you can see how Chains, the mentor of the young gentleman bastards, could be seen as a kind of Fagin figure. But in fact, he's so much more than that. He transcends that caricature and becomes his own character. In Marcus Zusak's book, The Book Thief, Liesel's stepmother seems to fit that tyrannical caricature. But as the book progresses, we see that there is so much more to her. And finally, anyone who's read Joe Abercrombie's First Law trilogy will know that if you think that Baez is just some kind of Gandalf reboot, then you're in for a bit of a shock. So, by all means, use caricatures as one of a number of sources for characters, but don't make this mistake of stopping at that. Look at other sources as well. And they can include your imagination and real life. You can use aspects of people from real life as a source. Don't use a person in their entirety in your book. If you just transplant a real person into your book, it won't work. And the reason is that that real person isn't the character in your book. Eventually they'll clash with the plot in some way. So you can draw on real life people for mannerisms, characteristics, habits, voice perhaps, but don't draw on them wholesale. So let's recap then. The two critical elements for supporting cast are pretty much the same as the critical elements for your principal characters. One, defining the authentic, distinctive character essence and two getting the goal motivation and passion right and to get these elements right in your supporting cast there are a number of things you can do the first thing i'd recommend is you do the necessary work on the backstory backstory is like a kind of iceberg most of it is concealed hidden beneath the water but the more backstory you write the more confident you'll be with the character and the better you'll write it other things you can do, you can draw on caricature, you can draw on your imagination, and you can draw on real life. You can bring all of these sources together to create convincing, authentic, supporting characters. So that's it for this episode. I hope, I hope this has been helpful to you. Today I have quoted from or referred to the Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling, published by Bloomsbury, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, which is in the public domain, the Hunger Games series by Suzanne Collins, published by Scholastic. The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch, published by Galance. The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, published by HarperCollins. The Book Thief by Marcus Suzak, published by Transworld. And the First Law series by Joe Abercrombie, published by Galance. And I've also referred to the article 10 Secrets to Creating Unforgettable Supporting Characters by Charlie Jane Anders, which appears at io9. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with the next regular episode. In the meantime, I'll get some show notes on Pinterest. If you're interested in seeing those, go to pinterest.com. Just look up the Creative Writers Toolbelt. We have a group on Goodreads where I put notes for each episode and also information about upcoming episodes and comments. If you want to get in touch with me, do drop me a line. It's andrew at andrewjchamberlain.com. That's all for now. As ever, thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.